0: Okay, so just to be clear, the first round of the Australian Open will be done by the time we wake up? Yeah, but the second round will have started before we go to sleep. So you're saying we only have 12 hours during the day to record our next episode, seven of those hours occupied by school?
1: Yep, so either we can record at 4 p.m. after school or in the morning before we have to leave for school.
0: Well, when the players go down under, our sleep schedules go down with them. Hello everyone and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts Josefina and Shravia. Shravia and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all.
1: Josefina and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics, united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship.
0: And we're the young female voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. All right, we're back with another episode of Hold On to Your Racket. Today is February seventh, and we are doing an Australian Open preview. We're really happy that finally we have another Grand Slam coming up, and we get to cover it. And um, well, the location of this Grand Slam is quite difficult considering yeah. our situation.
1: Yeah, the time zones are definitely messed up. Um, so Josephine and I were talking last night about like. Okay, when are we going to record our next couple of episodes? Because with the Grand Slams, we do them a little bit more frequently because there's so much more action to cover. So today, it's currently, like, uh, like, noon on Sunday where we are. But the Australian Open for us starts tonight. So we are, like, planning to release this in a few hours so that there's enough time since then. So the time zones are totally whack. But even more whack than that, Um, we planned on waking up, not even waking up, starting to record at 5.45 (laughs) 545. in the morning on Tuesday, um, to do our, like, round one recap, Just to get you guys that content.
0: Exactly. The amount of pain we go through for this podcast.
1: Exactly. But... We're really excited, especially because I think that we had a lot of fun covering, well, not only the <laughs> all the tea that was going on in quarantine, but also the tournaments last week. There were some really great matches. There were some great results, too. So we're just going to give you a quick rundown of those. So first up, we had the Yara Valley Classic, which was the WTA 500 level event. Ash Barty, the world number one, defeated Garbina Muguruza 7-6-6-4 to win her ninth WTA singles title. You may recall that in a bunch of these tournaments, a couple players did end up withdrawing because they wanted to have enough time to prepare for the Australian Open, but Ash Barty ended up as the champion and she played stellar tennis throughout, as did Muguruza.
0: And then next up we have the Gippsland Trophy, the another WTA 500 where Elise Mertens took the title after defeating Kaya Kanepi 6-4 6-1 to win her 6th WA singles title. And we remember that at the end of last year Elise Mertens had a couple of chances to win some titles but never could because of um Arena Sabalenka's crazy winning streak, but then it turns out her opponent Kaya Kanepi upset Arena in the earlier rounds and gave Mertens that opportunity.
1: Yeah, then we have the Grampians Trophy, the third WTA 500 event, which was organized for the hard quarantine players, so as if there wasn't enough chaos surrounding this tournament already, given that it was for the hard quarantine players, and because it was only a 32 draw, um, the final match was actually canceled because of scheduling, so both of the finalists would receive the runners-up prize money and points, and the finalists were Annette Contivate, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, and Ann Lee who has been having an amazing season since the end of kind of 2020, um, where she did have a bunch of success at some ITF events. And this is the first WTA final for Lee, but sad that she wasn't, you know, able to actually play it.
0: And then next up, we have the Murray River Open and ATP 250, where British Daniel Evans defeated Felix Auger Aliassime 6-2, 6-3 to win his first ATP Tour title. And this is... Felix's seventh final, Um, he still has zero titles, by the way, and he's only 20 years old, so definitely still promising, but come on, Felix, give us some action.
1: <laughs> um, our second ATP event was the Great Ocean Road Open, ATP 250. Yannick, this was, we're gonna talk about this in a bit too, but this was quite the week for Italian tennis, especially on the ATP side. Yannick Sinner defeated Italian compatriot Stefano Travaglia, 7 to win his second ATP Tour title. And his first title was really, really not that long ago, just a couple months ago at the Sofia Open, so... If you think this is amazing for Italian tennis, just wait to hear our last ATP result.
0: Yeah, and finally we have the ATP Cup, the center of all the action so far, like this past week, where Team Russia, led by Daniel Medvedev and Andrei Rublev, defeated Team Italy's Matteo Berrettini and Fabio Fagnini in their singles matches to win the 2021 ATP Cup. So, just like you were saying, Shravia, the... Team Italy's success here was kind of crazy, especially considering um Berrettini himself, how well he was doing. I think you want to talk about that.
1: Yeah, I do want to talk about that. I think it's great going to the Australian Open. I honestly think his loss to Medvedev wasn't that surprising. Um, We're going to talk about him too in a little bit, but he's kind of like on fire at the moment. He hasn't lost a match um, since before the Paris Masters. So... Um, Great showing from them. Not surprised by Team Russia winning. They have two of the most informed players on their team in their singles matches. But I think that all this action from the past week gives us a lot to talk about going into the Australian Open, where we will be previewing the draws.
0: So just like we promised in our last little segment, we will be analyzing and previewing the Australian Open 2021 draw, both men's and women's singles. So let's take it away.
1: Yeah, so we're going to start with the ATP draw this time. And starting at the top, let's talk about Novak Djokovic's quarter. So we, the way we're going to do this is we've kind of picked like three favorites or three of the top ranked people in the quarter or three of the people who most people are talking about right now Um, and we're going to take a look at them and then we're going to talk about some dark horses and some potential matchups too. So I would say the favorites in Djokovic's quarter we have first up obviously Novak Djokovic so defending champion king of the Australian Open um, going for his ninth Australian Open title. Um, So going into the Australian Open he played the ATP Cup um they Serbia were the Serbia was the defending champion but they obviously didn't end up winning but Djokovic himself won both of his ATP cup singles matches versus Zverev and Shapoval- Shapovalov um, which is pretty good obviously amazing 2020 ATP player of the year and I mean I think Djokovic cans can be Fans can be pretty confident in his capabilities to do well in Australia. He's certainly the favorite for the title, I would say, because he's just known as the king of the Australian Open defending champion. So solid, and he's definitely going to be the one to beat. Um, But having said that, as we're going to continue talking about, there are certainly other players who are going to be forces to be reckoned with for Djokovic in this tournament. So next up um, in his quarter, Alexander Zverev, who is the sixth seed. He actually had um, pretty decent success last year at the Australian Open. That was kind of his uh, Grand Slam breakthrough, where he reached the semifinals before falling to eventual finalist uh, Dominic Thiem. Looking... Back to Zverev's season near the end of last year, um, he won a couple titles, but then he's had pretty mixed results since then at NITO in the ATP Cup, but looking at his draw, it honestly doesn't look too bad. He definitely has a chance to make it through to the quarterfinals. The next highest seed in this section is Gael Monfils, who hasn't really been doing that great the past few months. Um, so Zverev, as much as Josefina and I hate to say it, um, does seem to have good opportunities in his section of the draw and could uh pose a challenge for Djokovic um especially since they went to three sets in their ATP Cup match. And then our last person to talk about in terms of like favorites or top seeds in this section is Gael Monfils who's the 10th seed. It's hard to pick a third favorite in this draw cuz I think that Djokovic and Zverev were the two strongest. Um but Monfils is the next one up. He's had mixed results not a great 2020 since the tour restart. Um he did all right in the ATP Cup, um, but you know he faces this potential second round versus Nishioka or um, a third round versus Bublik or Lajovic, so that's really difficult in the early rounds, so it's unclear how well he might do. But if there are two top-ranked players to look out for in this quarter, it would um, certainly be Djokovic and Zverev.
0: And next up, we have the Dark Horses, starting off with John Millman, who won his first title a few months ago. And of course, like any other Australian that we've heard of, loves playing in front of his home crowd. I mean, we saw all of that. I mean, uh, what's his name? Alex Demenor. He won his first title in Australia. So of course, another example of the home crowd strength. And then we also remember John Millman's epic third round versus Federer last year at the Australian Open that was quite the match and he faces Quarantine Moutet in the first round and then possibly Ronich in the second round so those could be good matches if he wins and we're right
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I, I think that he could have the capability to take out Ronich but um John Millman's definitely a guy to look out for Next up in terms of dark horses, we have Stan Wawrinka. He's the seventeenth seed. We're putting him in as, as a dark horse because I would say if you could, would fast uh, rewind a few years back, you would probably be talking about him as one of the favorites to win. But he's obviously faced some injuries since then, um, so you know, not the not as smooth of a run um ever since his previous Grand Slam victories but he tends to do pretty well at the Australian Open he reached the quarterfinals last year he won the title in 2014 he's still having mixed results um over the past few months and he withdrew from the Murray River Open to have time to prepare but I don't know about you Josefina for some reason looking at his draw I think we were talking about this earlier you know Djokovic is there so, Wawrinka has a pretty good head-to-head or, like, recent head-to-head versus Djokovic. I, for some reason, have a pretty good feeling about Wawrinka this tournament.
0: Oh, definitely. I even... I think he could go all the way, like, to the title. If that... I would be so happy if that would happen. I think it's um, so possible because, just like you said, the, like, big person standing in his way there is Novak Djokovic, and while that seems like a huge opponent, for him, I was looking at the head-to-head, and I was like, wait, this Wawrinka beat him at their last two meetups at the U.S. Open, so it's good I think the bi- I think
1: the main thing for Wawrinka will be trying to stay healthy and injury-free. Yeah. I think it's good that he withdrew. We saw that with a lot of players, but I think it's good that Wawrinka withdrew from the Murray River Open to really make sure he had time to rest and prepare, so I'm really hoping that he has a, a good
0: run. So next up, we have some potential matchups. First up, we have Monfi versus Bublik. This, of course, would be such an entertaining match because they're both, like, those showcase players. I mean, Gael Monfi with the crazy um, overheads, Bublik with his his underarm serve.
1: Yesterday, um, I was playing uh, tennis, and one of our coaches was, like, um, trying these, like, weird things out with his serve. And so... um, we were doing, like, serves and returns, so I was returning, and he was, like, serving stuff, and all of a sudden, he starts doing, like, these weird underhand slice serves, and they would, like, they would, they were actually, like, kind of good, and whenever they would bounce, they would, like, spin in the totally opposite direction, and I was like, wow, this guy has been taking lessons from Booblick or something. These are, like, pretty <laughs> good underhand serves, and then he tried doing it in a doubles match and double faulted, but that was, so that was embarrassing for him. But um, I don't know. The, the underhand serve is, I like, if it works, it works. Like, I don't get why people get so mad about it. It's always fun to watch.
0: Yeah, and since it's not really, like, proper etiquette kind of in tennis, when players do it, it's always so entertaining because it, like, it just adds a new flair to the match. Anyways, Monfi and Bublik have a possible meetup in the third round. Next up, we have a possible potential Djokovic versus Zverev quarterfinal. They just had a three-set battle at the ATP Cup, and judging from their draws, they both have a decent chance of making it to the quarterfinals. This could be an opportunity for Zverev to make more of a breakthrough and dethrone the Australian Open King, but then again, he is the king for a reason, so we don't really know how that's going to go.
1: And then again, we would rather neither Djokovic or Zara leads
0: the quarterfinals. <laughs> That's why we're um, counting on <laughs>
1: Um, Going into the bottom quarter of the top half of the draw, <laughs> which is Dominic Team's quarter, um, obviously the first favorite here is Dominic Team. So, won his first Grand Slam last year at the US Open, and he reached the finals of the Australian Open last year as well. He lost to Djokovic at a five-set match. Um, and I would say Team definitely has his eyes set on the title, and he's definitely one of the top contenders given how he has shown um, that over the past few years. That not only does he have that ability to go super deep in the slams and challenge the big three, but also has huge potential even on the hard courts because people kind of refer to him as the Prince of Clay. But his first Grand Slam came on the hard courts, and he did so well in the indoor hard court season as well. However, Dominic Team has a pretty difficult section of the draw. So pretty early on, he could meet either Hugo Humbert or Nakirios, um, the winner of Chillage versus Dimitrov, or the winner of Nishikori versus Karim Noubousa before the quarterfinals. So there is a definitely, there's definitely a very difficult section there for Team. Um, but then again, he has shown us that he has the capability to beat these players. It's a question of whether these matches. Extend really long and wear him out in the early rounds physically um, before he can you know make it even deeper. Our second favorite is the eighth seed Diego Schwartzman, who obviously made his breakthrough in the second half of the season, and he actually has a pretty decent section of the draw to reach the quarterfinals. So his potential meetups would be a third round versus Benoit Paire if Benoit Paire even makes it that far, <laughs> um, and then a potential round of sixteen versus um Denis Shapovalov, Yannick Sinner, or FAA which would all be amazing matches but all players that Diego does have the capability of beating in my opinion he leads the head-to-head versus both of the Canadians so um I think if Diego keeps his form from last year he has a big chance to make the quarterfinals
0: and then once again we find ourselves talking about Italian success in 2021 with Yannick Sinner, who we chose as the third favorite, because although he is unseated, this kid is going crazy on the court. He just won the Great Ocean Road tournament, and like we said earlier, he just um very recently won his first tournament in Sofia. And he faces Chop of Olive in the first round. <laughs> that just gives me physical pain to say that one of them is going to be gone so early in the tournament. But given his level and how deep he's gone in past um, Grand Slams, like the Roland Garros quarterfinals, he definitely has chances in this tournament. And then next up, we have our Dark Horses, starting off with Nick Kyrgios. There's not much to say about him because he was pretty much a wall for an entire year, but he really brings it in front of his home crowd and in big matches and tournaments, so he definitely has potential.
1: Yeah, you can never discount Nick Kyrgios from anything, especially since he might meet Dominic Thiem pretty soon. Um, Our second Dark Horse is Ugo Umber, the 29th seed. Uh, We talked about him a lot kind of towards the end of last year because he did have a pretty good 2020. He, you know, won a couple of titles, but he has yet to have like a Grand Slam breakthrough. So should he get past a potential matchup versus Nick Kyrgios in the second round, Ugo Humbert could also be a force to be reckoned with at the Australian Open.
0: And then we're back with the potential matchups. Starting off with Schwartzman versus Sinner, this could possibly happen in the round of sixteen. They've never played each other before, and Diego has a pretty clear shot of making the round of sixteen. Sinner's section is a bit more difficult, considering he has to beat Shapovalov and Felix in order to get there. But his success de- recently definitely indicates that he can make it. And also, this would just this would be a great match.
1: Yeah, center section of the draw is like full of exciting opportunities for matchups. Um, but this would be a pretty awesome one too. Our next potential matchup is a Dimitrov versus Karrenyuk Busta third round, but this is kind of like a dual matchup because Dimitrov and PCB have very difficult first round matches. Dimitrov is playing Marin Cilic, who was a finalist at the Australian Open just a couple years ago, and then um PCB is facing Nishikori. Um I would say that Dimitrov and PCB are the two more in-form, uh, in form players in both of their matches, so they probably have a greater chance of getting through those. But if it's not a Dimitrov versus PCB third round, it could easily be replaced by an equally exciting Chilich versus Nishikori, Chilich versus PCB, or Nishikori versus Dimitrov. So there is definitely something exciting cooking in that
0: third round matchup speaking of exciting no kidding because all of these draws we're going to look at them equally okay no <laughs> no preference so um the next quarter the top half of the bottom half Yep. Top quarter of the, yeah, I guess, the top quarter of, of the bottom, bottom. half, yeah, 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 <laughs> is Medvedev's quarter, so starting off with the first favorite, obviously we have Daniil Medvedev, the fourth seed, he's currently ranked world number four, and he's also on a winning streak, he won his last three tournaments, the Paris Masters, Neto ATP Finals, and the ATP Cup as part of Team Russia, and he only made it, but last year at the Australian Open, he only made it to the round of 16 before being defeated by Wawrinka. Again, we talk about Wawrinka. Look at this guy. Um, considering he's had some success at the ATP Cup in Melbourne before this tournament, the momentum could guide him deeper into the rounds.
1: Yeah, Um. I also was so happy when he beat Zverev at the ATP Cup. I think Zverev like, double-faulted to get his serve broken in the third set um and Medvedev just like smiled and it was like it was perfect it was it was amazing um but yeah Daniel Medvedev definitely someone to look out for as is his compatriot Andrei Rublev who's in the same section so he's currently seated number seven ranked number eight I don't think we need to go into that much about Andre Rublev's <laughs> success last year because I think he was he was you know certainly the the player everyone was talking about with those five titles um last year at the round of 6 uh, at the Australian Open he lost in the round of 16 to Zverev but um you know he definitely has a lot of potential going into this but we kind of saw this last year too. He does so well in those smaller tournaments um or like those 500 levels, 250 levels um non-grand slam tournaments. Um but that has kind of outshined his success at the Grand Slam. So we're kind of really looking for a Rublev breakthrough at the Grand Slam level. So um, maybe this could be the chance maybe 2021 could be that season for him but um, you know he's certainly going to be capable of beating um a lot of these top players at this tournament should he continue to go through the rounds
0: I mean when we have those like small stretches of just smaller tournaments there's the same players that he's going to meet in grand slams playing in those tournaments so there's definitely it's like, maybe there's more pressure at Grand Slams, but he definitely has the mentality if he went that far with just winning last year, he definitely has a mentality to go far in this tournament. So next up, we have Roberto Bautista Agut, the 12th seed, currently ranked world number 13. He's kind of an on and off player, but he's certainly good. Just unpredictable as of now because we haven't really seen him do well in recent tournaments. For example, last year at the ATP Cup, he was undefeated, and this year he lost two-thirds of his matches. So, definitely a player that's on and off there, but somebody who can do well. And then next, we have our Dark Horses, starting off with Casper Ruud, the 24th seed and world-ranked Number 27, he reached the Rome Masters semifinals last year, and he has potentials in big tournaments because of that, and his slot of the draw is forgiving, so the earliest he would have to face a top 10 player is round of 16, so that definitely leaves him an opening.
1: Yeah. Our second dark horse is Lorenzo Sonego, world number 34, and he's the 31st seed. We obviously remember him for beating Novak Djokovic in the quarterfinals in Vienna, and then Sonego um, eventually ended up reaching the finals of that tournament. So, you know, this is Djokovic's kind of home turf, technically, here. So maybe if Sonego, you know, what if we see a Sonego Djokovic final? I don't know about you, Josefina, but maybe that could be a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, but um yeah Sonego, i mean if it, if this Italian tennis kind of winning streak or like success continues, I think Sonego is gonna have a pretty uh might have a pretty good tournament here too, because again, he did show near the end of last season that he does have that capability, so you know, depending on how his section of the draw plays out, he could also make a pretty deep run,
0: yeah, I mean we keep seeing this common theme of Italians in tennis, so just this it's just the entire country as a whole on the men's side doing so well. Um, Next up, we have our potential matchups. Once again, starting off with and ending with Daniel Medvedev, the fourth seed, and Andrei Rublev. So they were recently teammates for Team Russia at the ATP Cup, and they are now placed in the same court of the draw, meaning one of them has to fall before the quarterfinals, or No, before the semifinals. So, both players have been playing some of their best tennis ever. Again, going back to Andre Rublev's success last year and Daniil Medvedev's success at the end-ish of last year and going into this year. So, it's going to be, or it could be, I mean, because it's potential matchups, a really good match.
1: Yeah, and then... um those are pretty much that was pretty much the only kind of interesting potential matchup we found there but going into the last section of the atp draw because i know that we're also super excited to talk about the wta draw after this too as i know you guys are as well um we have nadal's quarter so the favorites here obviously second seed rafael nadal i don't think like it's rafael nadal obviously he's gonna be one of the favorites um He had a pretty good season, as always, last year with the Roland Garros title. Um, Last year at the Australian Open, he lost the dominant team in the quarterfinals. And this year, kind of the next top seed in his quarter is Stefano Tsitsipas, who has also made a breakthrough at the Australian Open before. Um, So that would be an interesting matchup there. Um, I would say, though, that remember that Rafael Nadal only has one Australian Open title. Like Each of the big three kind of has that one tournament where they haven't you know, gotten more than one title at. So for Roger and Djokovic, Roland Garros, for Nadal, it's the Australian Open. And, you know, I would say that with... Like, I would say that, in my opinion at least, I would give more of a shot to someone like Dominic Team or Medvedev to do well at the Australian Open than at Nadal.
0: The Australian but, Open and... um U.S. Open are kind of those tournaments that although like obviously we have Djokovic as kind of the quote-unquote king of the Australian Open you see more players that are not really the top three winning these tournaments so that's why it really opens up the field.
1: Yeah and I also think that going into the ATP Cup Nadal didn't play any matches there he said he had some sort of like little injury in his back I believe um, it's good that he's given that time to rest uh, unclear on how that will play out in terms of his performance this year but um, I would say that since it's the Australian open he does have you know some pretty good hard quarters in his draw and people with potential to take him out here. Um, I'm not so sure about how successful he'll be uh, at the Australian Open this year.
0: Next up, we have Stefanos Tsitsipas, the fifth seed, world number six. His success last year was kind of spotted. He lost in the round of 32 at the Australian Open, but then made it to the French Open semifinals. Kind of an inconsistent player right now, but being aware of his potential, he always has the chance to do well in Grand Slam, so that's why we're putting him up here.
1: I also think it would be super interesting to see him play Nadal um, because, you know, I think that would be... Because Stefano Sitsipas reached the semis of the Australian Open just a couple years ago. So he definitely does have potential here. Our third favorite in this section is Matteo Barrettini. Your first favorite. <laughs> we cannot go uh, without in an episode without mentioning Matteo Berrettini, But um, he's in number 9th seed, world number 10. Terrible year last year. I'm so sorry, Matteo. But it was quite unsuccessful compared to his 2019 especially. However... People have been referring to this as his flop era, quote-unquote, but however, he came back and kind of ended that flop era at the ATP Cup this past week. The only singles match he lost was versus Daniil Medvedev, and we discussed how that was kind of a given, just, you know, considering how on fire the Russian is. Um, but he beat world number three Dominic Thiem, which is super big, especially on the hard courts. Um, and defeated other top players like Gael Monfils and RBA and led Team Italy to the finals. So Berrettini definitely is going to be a a good uh, person to keep an eye out for, hopefully can carry that success into the Grand Slam. But he does face a pretty difficult first round versus Kevin Anderson, so we'll see how that goes.
0: Next up, we have our dark horses in this quarter, starting with Alex Demenor, the 21st seed. He made it to the US Open quarterfinals last year and the Antwerp finals. He won in Antalya earlier this year, so it's definitely setting a good tone for normal style running tournaments, um also known as not the ATP Cup. <laughs> he has a home court advantage because Aussies are known to get quite fired up while playing on home turf. And but he faces Tennis Sangren in the first round. So, he uh, he's definitely someone who's had some success at the Australian Open in the past, but he's, like, definitely the most unpredictable player in the ATP. Like, I'll just, I'll put that up there, the most unpredictable.
1: Yeah. Um. Our next dark horse is called Carlos Alcaraz, so he's kind of, you know, been coming on the scene lately. A lot of people are talking about him. Um. World number 146, and he is actually a qualifier, so great job. Uh, props to him for qualifying his way through he's 17 years old so you know we don't want to put too much expectation on him but like it's crazy that he's had this much success already he won five titles last year two itf levels three challengers and he also took out number one seed david goffin in the second round of um the melbourne one tournament which was his first top 15 win so and he's been practicing with nadal he did a little practice session with him a couple days ago, so I would say that, you know, keep an eye out for all Karaz as well. Um, Those are the two dark horses we kind of wanted to highlight, but looking ahead for potential matchups, we have a possible meeting between Mateo Berrettini and Karan Kachanov, the 19th seed, in the third round, Um, and this is going to be pretty interesting because um, Kachanov just had an amazing match versus Yannick Sinner, which went, I think, beyond three hours, um at the tournament that Sinner ended up winning just a couple days ago and then Berrettini is also kind of showing that he's dipping his feet back into beating those top 15 top 20 players um given his performance the past couple of days so that's definitely going to be an exciting one
0: next up on the potential matchups we have Carlos Alcaraz and Kevin Anderson this one's a bit of an interesting one but I mean I mean, Kevin Anderson, the ultimate veteran versus the ultimate newbie, this would happen in the fourth round or round of 16. So it would, I think it would be the ultimate battle between the player generations. Also,
1: if you know, Alcaraz gets that far and say that Kevin Anderson could easily be replaced by someone like Berrettini or Kachanov, because I think Berrettini and Kevin Anderson is the first round. So Carlos Alcaraz versus any of those players would be super cool. Mm-hmm. So that's enough for the ATP. Let's go on to the people who we really also want to talk about, which is the WTA. So we're going to – the first person we're going to talk about is, you know, well, it is her quarter in the top half of the draw, Ash Barty's quarter. So Ash Barty, world number one, um, and Australian playing on her home turf. Uh, She's the top seed in her section, obviously. And I kind of find it funny how – she hasn't played a match since February of 2020. She, co- she was still world number one this whole time. She comes back on the tour just like a couple days, a few days ago, just a week ago, and wins an entire tournament, which was the Yara Valley Classic. And there were like some top players in this tournament. She beat, you know, uh, a very informed Muguruza in the final, um, had a pretty good match against Shelby Rogers too. Um, so she's definitely still in top form. So she reached the semis of the Australian Open last year before eventually falling to Sophia Kennan, who would go on to win the whole thing. But I would say that given her performance at the Yarra Valley Classic, um, her success at the Australian Open last year, and you know we know that she can bring it at the Grand Slams based on her Roland Garros success um, and her you know doing well at the Australian Open last year, she is certainly one of the players to beat at this tournament
0: next up we have elise mertens the 18th seed she just won the melbourne two t- title and defeated two almost at their top of the game um Svitalina players including svidalina and kanepi and she always brings it at the slams too loves the hard courts but she does face a difficult first round versus Layla fernandez so we'll see how that plays out but again if she does bring it at the Grand Slam, she was bound to meet a difficult opponent at some point along those anyways, so not it shouldn't be a problem for her. Next up on the favorites in this quarter, we have Karolina Pliskova, the sixth seed. We never know what to expect with her, but not really a favorite in our view because we're just mentioning her because of her ranking and because of her seed and the potential that she has to play well but she could be out of the tournament super early on because that has been a trend for her lately.
1: Yeah, in my opinion, I don't think Pliskova is going to have a breakthrough at this tournament.
0: But Watch her win the whole thing. Just <laughs> <you said laughs> Right
1: this. after I said that. Yeah, she hasn't yeah. really had a Grand Slam breakthrough since, I think, the 2016 US Open final. So, I mean, she's recently got a new coach. Um, We haven't seen her play yet in 2021. So, I mean, I don't really know what to expect from her. But in terms of Dark Horses, one of the players who actually just... Oh wait, that's a lie. She has played a in 2021 yet. I was thinking of someone else um she has played a match in 2021 the player who beat her was danielle collins at the yara valley classic and danielle collins is one of the dark horses um and we talked about her success in australia a couple of years ago in our last episode and danielle collins not only upset plishkova but she just did really well overall at the yara valley classic she stretched serena to a third set match tiebreak. that was a really good match so danielle collins has upset potential um, her big game is you know perfect for the these courts, and you know she's kind of fearless in playing these top players, so I'm excited to see how the American does and then another big hitter who has dark horse potential as a net contivate the twenty first seed she reached the quarterfinals of the Australian Open last year, and she uh, was one of the finalists at the Grampians trophy um this past week, and that was the one where they canceled the final. So um, she had some great, te- uh, great matches there, including um, one versus Maria Sakari, which she won to reach the final. And she could potentially meet Ash Barty in the round of 16, which I think would be a super exciting matchup. Um, but Annette Contivate, given her Australian Open success last year, and Danielle Collins, given her Australian Open success a couple years ago, are two dark horses to definitely watch out for.
0: Potential matchups in this quarter include Ashley Barty versus Alexandrova. This would happen in the third round. Alexandrova is on fire right now. I mean, she just upset Iga Sviatek, and she reached the semifinals of Melbourne 2 as a result of that, beating Halep on route also. And she made the semifinals of Linz at the end of her last season.
1: And then we have another potential matchup between Danielle Collins and Karolina Muhova, who's the 25th seed. So that would be a potential third-round match. And Muhova is also something we've, uh, someone who we've mentioned here and there, uh, since she did have a pretty good U.S. Open. So that would also be fun to watch. But going into the next quarter in the top half, which is Sofia Kennan's quarter, um, let's talk about some of the favorites there. So, Josephina, why don't you tell us a little bit about... about about our defending champion.
0: Sure. Sophia Kennan is the fourth seed this time she fell to Garbine Muguruza at the Yar Valley Classic so a little bit of a rematch there of the last Australian Open final she's still one of the favorites to win though but there's a lot of pressure on her to do well because of her success at the Australian Open and Grand Slams last year her path to the quarterfinals does look pretty good though so definitely an opening there for her to do well although Kanepi could be her second round opponent and she's pretty dangerous right now
1: Yeah, Kanepi is known for upset potential, as we saw this past week. Our next favorite in this section is Victoria Azarenka, who's the 12th seed. So she withdrew from the Grampians Trophy to have enough time to rest and prepare for the Australian Open. She's a two-time Australian Open champion. She kind of, you know, came back onto the scene last year, reaching the U.S. Open Finals. So she is showing that she can really bring it at the Grand Slams. And as we know, she loves the hard courts. Um, and her section of the draw is super exciting, but very difficult. So there's a possibly, a possible third-round match versus Maria Sakari. Um, and there are a couple of other players in that section, too, who we're going to talk about in just a bit. But, you know, Vika always brings it at the slams, and she is looking to be in very good form. Um, so we would definitely put her as one of the forces to be reckoned with because I think that... The other people in this section, the top seeds, like Sofia Kanin, for example, she does great at the Grand Slams, but she also, you know, didn't make it too far at Yarra Valley. So I would say that Azarenka is someone who has that upset potential for those top five players.
0: Lastly, speaking of top five players, um, Alina Svitolina in this quarter is the last of the favorites she fell to elise mertens at the gibson trophy um tournament recently and she has a difficult draw faces buskova in the first round and possibly golf in the second round sakari and um azarenka are also in her sections so definitely some difficulty there but she is a player who has the potential to beat top players like these since she is a top player herself. So I wouldn't be too worried about her.
1: Yeah, she's having a little bit of an up and down past few months. You never really know what to expect. But um, that being said, regardless, that section of the draw is super exciting. And when we're going to in our dark horses, one of the dark horses we picked out is Maria Sakari, who is in that section of the draw. And as we know, she reached the semifinals of Grampians before flying to Contivate in that very close match. It went to a third set tiebreak. And we talked a lot about her, you know, success and potential um, kind of in 2020. And, you know, again, she's in the Azarenka, Putin Seva, Coco Cobb section of mm-hmm. the draw, which is crazy. Um, but l- honestly, going to be the one I'm most excited about on both the ATP or the WTA sides. That's where my eyes are at. But I would say that Sakari is definitely one of the front runners within that section. And then our second dark horse is Kaya Kanepi, who, you know, reached the finals of Gipsland but lost to Mertens and then beat Sabalenka, Kazakina, and Alexandrova on route. So that's pretty darn good, and she could that's face... pretty solid. <laughs> yeah, and she could face Sofia Kennan in the second round, which could be very dangerous for the defending champion, as we noted earlier.
0: So for potential matchups, we have Brady, this 22nd seed, versus Joanna Conta, the 13th seed. This would happen in the third round, and of course, Brady had some significant success last year, especially at the U.S. Open. And then we have Joanna Conta, who also did well. These are both awesome players that are, they're just consistent during their matches, but like considering overall results, it's kind of on and off with them. So this could be a very good match. And then we also have Sakari versus Azarenka. And again, we spoke about how they're in this little section of the draw that is so incredibly packed. So any combination of those would bound or bound to be like interesting and something worth watching. But just this combination especially this could be a very good match
1: yeah like that section of the draw is like the equivalent of the diego schwartzman yannick sinner shop of All of faa section in the <laughs> atp draw i would say moving into the bottom half we have osaka's quarter who as you know josefina and i are big fans of naomi osaka is the third seed in the world number three she's the u.s open champion um hasn't played since then, but has won all of her matches since then, um, before withdrawing from the Yarra Valley Classic to prepare um, for the Australian Open. So she's loves the hard courts. Um, obviously, she does have an Australian Open title in the book for her. But last year, she lost uh, to Coco Gauff in this uh, round of 32 at the Australian Open. Um, but honestly, looking at her form and how she was playing at the Yarra Valley Classic, she looks to be in pretty good shape, and, you know, you can never count her out of, of the Grand Slams.
0: Next up, we have Bianca Andreescu, the ninth seed. She is the world number nine, and, um, uh, well, <laughs> well... We don't even know what to
1: say about her.
0: Yeah, she's been gone. <laughs> not just last year, but for basically a year and a half. Mm-hmm. The last we know of her is that she won the US Open. <laughs> like, that's the last we've heard... Um. So obviously she performs well under pressure and on hard courts. Like this is just. I was trying to pull the little information that we don't. We don't we have, have enough to
1: t- like, especially since Josephine and I like started this podcast like what a few months ago, half
0: a year she ago. Hasn't been. She back. Just hasn't been back. Um, Yeah. So so yeah, her results are really hard to predict, considering the length of her absence. And we'll also because she when just didn't, she didn't even play in any
1: of the tune-up events because she withdrew from Grampions oh because
0: goodness. she
1: didn't want to like injure herself because she's so injury prone, uh, which I guess was a smart decision. But we'll, she'll be back in a in a in just a couple of days. Hopefully, yeah. Our last favorite um, in this quarter would be Garbinia Muguruza, the fourteenth seed and the world number 14th made it to Yara Valley final, Australian Open final last year. So, you know, she does well in Australia, as we can see, but she's also one of those players who is kind of, like, inconsistent. Like, she'll be doing really well, and then all of a sudden she'll kind of bow out in the early rounds. So I don't really know what to expect from her, but her form was great at Yara Valley, but a Grand Slam is a whole other ballgame. Um, and she is a Grand Slam champion and a defending finalist, but she also has had results um, that we wouldn't expect from her at Grand Slam. So, excited to see how she performs.
0: And then starting off with the Dark Horses, we have Petra Kvitova first. Um, she is the world number eight, seeded number nine in this tournament. She's had solid performances at Grand Slams last year, the AO quarterfinals, the French Open semifinals. She's a great consistent player that has chances of making it far in tournaments. I mean she's yeah she's just a great player and honestly we would like to see her do well here
1: yeah and then the other dark horse who actually just recently played petra kvitova um is venus williams the world number 81 but multiple time grand slam champion and she recently played kvitova at the yara valley classic um but eventually fell to her there but you know everyone was talking about that because of how well she was doing um on court and how you know she was looking her game was looking pretty good so i'm hoping for a big venus breakthrough um because you know just a few years ago she was back in grand slam finals um so i definitely think you know she can bring some of that back this year as well
0: some of the potential matchups here are again petra kvitova versus venus williams in the round of 16 they are both solid players that are kind of in their not i wouldn't say comeback era for venus williams it is Petra Kvitova, we've seen her a bit last year, and she's done well last year, so...
1: They're definitely some of the more veteran players on the tour.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's what I was trying to say. Um, and then we have Garbini Muguruza and Naomi Osaka in the round of 16. Oh! This, wow. That's awesome. That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, we love both of them, and, I mean, Os- Osaka obviously has had more success recently, but they're still both like awesome classic players.
1: Yeah. Um this is definitely a difficult section of the draw for Osaka as well, I would say. So a lot of exciting um match options there. Our last section is Simona Halep's quarter, which is the bottom uh half of the bottom half of the draw. So our first favorite obviously is Simona Halep, um the world number 2, reached the semifinals of the Australian Open last year. Um, she kind of, you know, won three titles in a row towards the middle of last year. And, you know, she definitely has her moments, has the opportunity to do well, but um, was upset pretty handedly by Ekaterina Alexandrova just a couple uh, just last week um, in the tune-up event. So, um, you know, maybe she probably would have hoped to go further, but she'll be well-rested. It's a Grand Slam, as we said, a whole other ball game. And Simona Halep knows how to play well in Grand Slams.
0: And then next, we have Arena Sabalenka, the seventh seed. She was undefeated for three titles leading into Abu Dhabi in 2021, but then she lost in the first round of the Gipson Trophy. So, considering her half a year-long winning streak, she definitely has the potential here to go deep. But then again, she did just lose, so maybe she's having a little bit of a, like, um stoop in her um results
1: yeah it's she's very unpredictable she does very well in like non grand slam events but has yet to have a grand slam breakthrough but Mm -hmm. then again that always has to break at some point I i do think she has a grand slam breakthrough coming her way now, speaking of a player who has had many Grand Slam
0: breakthroughs... Many, quite the amount.
1: 23 Grand Slam breakthroughs, um, Serena Williams, who dropped out of the top 10, as we noted a couple months ago. Um, but nevertheless, uh, 10th seed, world number 11. She lost in the round of 32 at the Australian Open last year. Um, we Remember that um, match versus Wang. Um, but, you know, she was playing super well at the Yara Valley Classic, um, and she made the U.S. Open semifinals too before falling in that match to Azarenka. And obviously we've seen time after time again she's reached all these Grand Slam finals in the past few years, but has kind of, you know, fallen into not being able to close with that last match. But Serena Williams is Serena Williams, the greatest athlete ever, so solid performances going into this tournament. She's definitely looking strong, and you can never count her out.
0: And next up on the Dark Horses, we have Iga Sviatek, the 15th seed, the world number 17 right now. She is a very recent Grand Slam champion. Recent meaning the last Grand Slam that happened. And since then, she did have an early exit at the Gypsum Trophy. So, kind of, man, the results there. But then again, we know her mental game is strong because she discussed, I think it was in an interview or press conference, doesn't matter. She talked about having a sports psychologist that really helped her really finish and strongly at the French Open when she did win that Grand Slam. So she has very good chances of recovering well for this Grand Slam.
1: And then our second dark horse is someone who we started talking a little bit more about, Marta Kostiuk, the world number 86 at only 18 years old. She recently made the Abu Dhabi Semifinals, which was a WTA 500 event, so she was playing super well there. She really did show her potential in bigger tournaments, and I always like to mention this, but her match versus Naomi Osaka at the U.S. Open also showed her capability to really challenge the top players. So I think that she's definitely a player that you really want to keep an eye out for at the Australian Open um since people are starting to talk about her more and more she's showed her success already this season at um, Abu Dhabi so um we'll see how she does at the Australian Open
0: some potential matchups here in this quarter are Serena Williams and Aryna Sabalenka both I mean Serena Williams another sort of veteran player and then Arena Sabalenka the kind of up-and-coming star so Really interesting to see matches between these two kind of generations of tennis players, because it really shows like when the new wave of players is coming in, or whether the old, well, the, whether the players that are have already been there are like there for to stay. And this would happen in the round of sixteen. And then we have Simona Halep and Iga Swiatek also in the round of sixteen. Definitely an interesting match here because of Iga Sviatek's recent success, and I mean they kind of lost to the same player in that recent tournament. So, yeah. so they definitely have a common person. Common, I don't know. common but, Yeah, I find it ironic. Yeah. That's
1: it. Also because uh, a couple of years ago at the at, um, Roland Garros, Simona Halep like whooped Iga Sviatek. And then this year, Igo Swiatek whooped some of at the uh, French Open, <laughs> so there's definitely some, like, dualities going on there.
0: They have some history there.
1: Yeah. So, as we round out this episode, we did want to give you guys a little list of some of the first round matches that we're really excited about, um, and that you definitely might want to take a, try to get a glimpse of. So, in the top half of the ATP draw, <laughs> some of the best um, first round matches are Shop of Olive versus Sinner. Chilez versus Dimitrov, Mounfis versus Vori, um, and Nishikori versus Karen Busta.
0: And then in the bottom half we have David Goffin versus Alexei Povetkin, Kevin Anderson versus Matteo Berrettini, Fabio Fognini versus Pierre-Hugues Herbert. <laughs> I can never pronounce his name. <laughs> and then we have Tennis Sandgren versus Alex Demenor.: Nice. Um,
1: In the WTA top half, we have Martina Trevisan versus Ekaterina Alexandrova. That's definitely exciting. Um, Victoria Azarenka versus Jessica Pegula. Maria Sakari versus Kristina Mladenovic. And Elise Mertens versus Leila Fernandez.
0: And then in the bottom half we have Suvovsia versus Svitana Pirankova, Bernarda Pera versus Angelique Kerber, Vera Riva versus Elena Rybakina, and Veronika Kudinmetova versus Marta Kostiuk. So a lot of solid matches in the first round here.
1: Yeah. So just to round out our discussion and our preview of the tournament, Josephina and I kind of took some time to think about who our favorites to win the tournament are. Not necessarily the people we want to win um not saying that we don't that we dislike any of these players but kind of who we think has a shot who we have a good feeling about um for me I was so impressed by her performance this past week um also because she did well at the Australian Open last year I'm picking Ash Barty to win the tournament um I think that she has a great shot of doing well here. And then given his insane winning streak, capability to beat amazing players, and love for the hard courts, I'm picking Daniil Medvedev for my ATP champion.
0: And then for me, I have Naomi Osaka. I mean, I would bet a good $10 on her. A good $10! <laughs> I don't have that much for you. okay? Um, I would love for Naomi to win, too. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen her recent success at the... Um, Hard court grand slams. I mean, that's where she does perform best. So, definitely awesome chances here for her. And then we have my men's singles winner pick, Stan Warinka. So this one's a bit of a like a bit of a stretch. I think it's kind of an interesting choice. But like I said before, the only person really standing in his way is Novak Djokovic. And he already has that under control as far <laughs> as we know. Easy peasy. So, <laughs> I don't see the problem. Alright. So yeah. hmm
1: Thanks for joining us for our Australian Open Draw preview. We hope we, you know, gave you a pretty rounded out discussion of what we think about the draws. So um, we'll see you guys once we, you know, have the first round over with and looking ahead to round two. Thank you so much for joining us. And that is game, set and match for today.
0: If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of the Australian Open and, of course, all the T on tour.
1: Email us at racket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on.
0: Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media
1: at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore Tennis Pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released on Tuesday, where we will recap the first round of the Australian Open and look towards
0: round two. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shabia. That is, if you enjoyed this episode. If you didn't like it, please tell your friends, my my name is Ben and Shabby's name is Harry. See you next time.